Welcome to the Hotter Than Health podcast, a podcast and resource for those looking to expand and elevate their lives. Each week, we will bring you provocative topics, engaging interviews, and some of the biggest names in health and wellness to answer your burning questions. Each episode, you will leave with tangible tips and takeaways so that you can immediately begin to elevate and optimize your life. But what he designed was a coffee that required you to order more than coffee. It's a double latte with a shot of whatever. It's If you look at how many people go Good into Starbucks point. and order a black coffee, it's probably less than 5%. Hello, hello. Welcome back to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. My name is Eliza Gelman. Thank you so, so much for being here. Uh, I wanted to say thank you also for the support and the feedback we got on yesterday, on last week's episode about psilocybin, mushrooms, having more resources for mental health. I did a poll on my Instagram yesterday asking what you all wanted more of in 2023 and mostly I got people asking for relationship advice which I will not be giving but I'll get people on here who will and as well as mental health advocacy mindset happiness and different topics like that so I thought that that was interesting and I'm really excited to hear more about it of course it's going to be health and wellness focus that's never going to stop fitness health nutrition longevity digestion but we do want to we want to keep branching into other relevant topics because at the end of the day we we have so many opportunities for health throughout the day but there's this underlying if we don't have our mindset right if we don't have our shit together in our head then what is the point of how can you stay motivated? How can you work for a bigger purpose in life? Now, like we mentioned before, we, did I mention this before? Doubt it. Whatever. Non-linear. Here we go. We're diving in. We have a two-part episode. And historically, I have put these out one week and then the next week. I'm thinking about doing a little mini episode next week and releasing these both this week. So we'll see. I just feel like people like a binge. People like to go straight into the next episode. So we'll see. I haven't decided yet, but it is Thursday as you're listening to the first episode of the coffee episode. And what I wanted to do is almost make this a different segment. I wanted to, I used to want to do so badly on the podcast a segment, a weekly segment or a monthly segment called Story Time. And I used to really want to do this because when I was a little kid, all I wanted to do was hear about people's childhood. Tell me about your childhood, tell me a story entertain me. I just find storytelling to be such a lost art. And when you meet someone who tells a great story and can hold your attention, but not in a, not in a distracting way without being chauvinistic, arrogant, without cussing, without any sort of shtick. They're just a naturally charismatic storyteller. I think that says a lot about 
them as a person. And I wanted to have our guest on today because this person, they can tell a story and they can describe things in such a way that makes you feel like you're experiencing it yourself. And I think we can all appreciate that. Today we have Rick Goodman on the podcast. Rick Goodman is one of the founders of Shade Raised. It is a organic coffee company based out of Costa Rica, but processed and produced, not not produced, but processed in Costa Rica, but they are based in Asheville, which is where they do a lot of their selling. Uh, One of my good friends, Sam Goodman, her She's a yoga extraordinaire. She is a health and wellness aficionado as well. And she was saying, you got to have my dad on the podcast. He has so much to say about his coffee business. It's all organic. The way that they process is, is incredible. The stories he has is incredible. The knowledge that he has about caffeine and the different mass production things that go on with Starbucks and with all these other brands. He has so much to say, and I was like, okay, great. You know, everyone says that their parents have the greatest things to say, but this guy actually does. We had such an amazing conversation. We were sitting overlooking the ocean. We were watching dolphins. We were watching dilfs. We were watching babies on the beach while we were having this conversation, having a cup of coffee, and that is what truly makes me so happy is having conversations with people in person. It makes a huge fucking difference. Now, today on the podcast, like I mentioned, it is a two-parter, and we have conversations ranging from the actual production of how they make the coffee, how they dry the fruit, what is the history, what was some of the uh, tragedy that has gone on as far as things going on in the rainforest. We have conversations going on about how to even tell if a coffee is good, how to tell what you should be tasting for, how to enjoy and prepare the coffee in the right way. What is dark roast? What is light roast? What is espresso? What about decaf? Is decaf not great for you because of the chemical processing? We go everywhere in this conversation and if you drink coffee, this is one you'll need to take notes with. I couldn't be more excited about this because also we're doing a giveaway and not just any giveaway. We are doing a huge fat giveaway. They were so, so kind to Rick and Liz Goodman were so kind to offer three different winners an amazing package. If you enter into win, all you have to do is follow Shade Raised SRO on Instagram. Follow them on Instagram. Make sure you're following Hotter Than Health and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Actually, I'm going to take that back because a lot of people who enter enter twice and you can't leave two reviews. Take a screenshot of you listening to this episode or take a screenshot of this on your phone however you're watching it if you're watching it on your tv then take a picture of it on your phone tag hotter than health and shade raised organics and we will pick three winners so high chances to win because i'm telling you 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 want to enter this you will win three different bags of their top rated coffee you will win a bag of mango which we talk about and you could potentially win a bag of bananas. But what we talk about at the end of this episode too, this is a quick tangent. It is almost the holidays. I wanted to, I almost waited to do this in December because we're like, oh, we're already in the holidays, lighthearted, everyone's drinking coffee, whatever, whatever. No, we are going to people's houses. People are having us over for Friendsgivings. You are being hosted by different people. Maybe you are the one doing hosting. You better show up to someone's house with a gift. 
I need to get better about this, but we are going to do great this year. 2022 holiday season is the year that we are going to be the person that gets invited back. All right. We're going to show up with a bag of coffee or a bag of mango or something. Don't just open up every single bag as soon as you get it. Think, hmm, how can I be gracious and give this to someone? Maybe my grandma is hosting me. Maybe my friends are hosting me. Maybe we're doing something else. You be a good host. You be a good hosty attendee this year and bring something with you, whether it's a bottle of wine, a bottle of coffee, because I know everyone's sober curious now. Having a bag of coffee to bring to someone is fire, especially if it's organic and it's local. People are just going to want that. So don't be that person that shows up with nothing this year. Tangent over. Three winners will receive each receive three different bags of coffee and a bag of fruit. And when I say bag of fruit, these are these are not skimpy bags of fruit. And we go into the flavor. I, I, I can't get into it now because I will truly slip and slide out of my chair. The flavor here is out of this fucking world. All you have to do, follow Shade Raised on Instagram, follow Hotter Than Health on Instagram. Let us see that you're listening to this episode, either part one or part two. You can enter in on both episodes and you're entered in to win. Three different winners. Make sure you do it and you will get your packages in time for the holidays. I promise you. All right. Without further ado, I cannot wait to introduce you to Rick Goodman. Welcome to the Hotter Than Health podcast. Liz and I met in Chicago, my wife, in the mid-80s, and by the mid-90s, we had established the beginnings of a business in Costa Rica. That business started as as a fruit business, but quickly morphed into organic coffee. Um. We were introduced to the owner of Hacienda La Amistad in the late 90s. We quickly formed a friendship with Roberto Montero, the owner then and the current owner of the farm. Oh, he's still the owner. He is. Beautiful. He is very much involved. Mm-hmm. So let's step back a little bit to the 1930s when his grandfather, who worked for the Costa Rican government, was brought in to intercede with a dispute between Panama, the U.S. government, and Costa Rica. Panama, with the help of the U.S. government, was trying to redefine the borders of Costa Rica in their favor. Roberto's grandfather went down and negotiated that the borders would remain as they were, and Costa Rica would never lose any more land. Mm -hmm. As a thank you, the government deeded to him approximately, I believe it was 10,000 hectares, 23,000, 24,000 acres, Mm -hmm. that would be deeded to his family as a national reserve. That was land that Roberto's grandfather chose because he knew that it was prime coffee-growing country as well. Ah, a gift within a gift. Exactly. The land was given at that time with the understanding that the family could farm approximately 5% of the land to their betterment, to Mm. their use. Mm -hmm. And that's when they started planting coffee. This was actually before there were roads there. Everything was brought in by ox cart, 
or by horse. Mm -hmm. It was pretty primitive. Mm. So that was in the 30s. And you said that was coffee, not fruit. That was coffee. Okay, okay. Fruit was much... There was fruit being grown there, but not... Got it. That was not of interest. Okay. The farm to this day is still off the grid. They have their own hydroelectric plant, and Roberto refuses to let the local um, energy company hook up because they're willing to pay him for his electricity. Oh, yeah. He refuses to let them near the property. Oh, I love so him. if he has problems, he's out of gas. Um, yeah. He has to wait until he can fix the plant. Mm. And I've been there on many occasions when the lights go out and we have to jump in a in a four by four and clear clear the water mm-hmm. from the the spillway that feeds the uh the turbines oh wow so it's and so to paint a picture of well you've already done an amazing job of painting a picture of what set up la amistad the farm that is the farm where you are currently working how did you meet you'll have to remind me of his name Roberto. How did you meet Roberto? So, initially, I'm going to go back to fruit for a second. Yeah. Initially, I went to Costa Rica to develop a fruit product. Um, Did you know what kind of fruit? Did you realize it was going to be crack mango? It was going to be one of many crack products, we hope. The idea was to, to preserve fruit from rotting. In other words, okay. create create a fruit product that was shelf stable and still had the nutrients. But that was would reduce waste from the farm and from land. At that time, I had no idea of okay coffee or lamastad or anything. Oh, okay. I was just enamored with Costa Rica. Mm. I'd had a, a a mutual friend who had moved down there and opened a hotel. Um. We were ready to try something else, yeah. Liz and I. So we went down, and I, I thought, well, come on, you can, you got all this gorgeous fruit being grown there. There's got to be a way to produce some kind of fruit leather or something natural that would be, you know, would be stable. Anyway, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, quite honestly. I knew I liked fruit, and I liked the tropics. What year was this? 94. This is 94. So Sam was one. Your your youngest daughter was yeah. one. Well, let me, let me, I want to bring this back to the way you raised your family in a minute. So keep going with your story, but I do want to touch on that. Okay. Anyway, I'll, so the fruit, the fruit morphed into the dried fruit that you've tried at our place. That is the process that we started about a year later and kept going through several other businesses with mango, banana, papaya, and pineapple. Mm. Um, so you were the original fruit by the foot. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what it was. Well, there, there, was, there, there were two types of dried fruit. The type that was, you see that's like jellied, that's all, that's all sugar, Yeah. which is basically green fruit that's soaked in a, a sugar solution. Yeah. And then there's what we were trying to do was just take what we call tree ripened or field ripened fruit and preserve it by using low heat and no sugars or preservatives. Okay. It takes much longer to produce fruit like that. 
which is the case with anything good, clothes, hair. They, they, there's three things that you can receive in business. It can be, it's fast, quick, cheap, or fast, cheap, good. You can have two of the three at a time. <laughs> you can't have, if you want it fast and good, it's not going to be cheap. If you want it good and cheap, it's not going to be fast. And you just can't have, How you can't true. have all three. Yeah. Yeah. You can, th- thank you, Jake, for that. So basically we found a, we found a wonderful product and I'll, I will uh, defer to my, my daughters for reinforcing the idea because Sam on her first trip to Costa Rica was only 18 months old. Oh. We were there for a month. But at that, I know, it was, we were How crazy. How cool is that? Anyway, <laughs> Sam got a bag of papaya, which was the least favorite of all the fruits. Because it's not as sweet. It's not as sweet. It's got a very, papaya is a very unusual fruit. We, yeah. we don't need to get into that. It's a great fruit, but it's, it it's has different. Diffi- different chemical compounds than almost any other fruit. That's why it's so great for digestion. But that's yep, a tangent that's the for another time. Anyway, but Sam took a took a nibble. And uh, the next thing I remember, she was reaching for more. And said, can I have some more? And we said, you betcha. And that's when Liz and I knew that we'd found something. Mm. When, a, when an 18-month-old um, gravitates towards that type of product. Because yeah. it's not... It's not necessarily attractive looking. It's not bad looking, but it's it's unusual. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's so nice to bring it back to the fact that this was a whole family event. This was this was an entire family affair. But this might be the right time to mention to the listeners how you raised you wanted to raise your children when you and Liz said, "Hey, we're having two. We have two daughters. We're we're in the baby business." We want to make sure that these are well-rounded, well-adjusted human beings. What were some of your foundational non-negotiables in the beginning of your children's lives that helped, that were reinforced by the way you run business also? (laughs) This is is Liz, the partner with Rick. Um, I think a lot of what we were... What we were looking for, first off, um, when we moved to North Carolina, we really wanted um, our kids to kind of have the freedom to be barefoot and, if they want, naked, running around playing and and enjoying enjoying their environment. And as they grew up, we wanted them to be experimental in, in different kinds of food. And also the food that we wanted them to really like is food that has very little ingredients in it and our our dried fruit is just the fruit nothing else so um i think a lot had to do with that attraction and we also felt that this would be something that if we if we could work it uh we really wanted to get in the school system we never got it to that point but that was always like in the back of our mind that's our goal this would be so great to be able to offer to schools you know it doesn't spoil easy they can grab they could sit on it in their backpack it's fiber yeah (laughs) Um, so a, a lot of that, and we wanted them to, to have a, an experience with, with the public schools and uh, a, a variety of, of, of different things, and um, as well as a variety in, in the climate that we have. Uh, 
with the mountains and being outdoors. And you guys are based in Asheville for anyone who doesn't know. And if you, I picture, that's exactly how I picture anyone being really raised the right way in Asheville just naked, <laughs> naked and curious, they were. <laughs> naked and curious. Uh, well, getting back to getting back to the farm, Lamistad, right now you went into the production of mangoes and f- dried fruits and you said, okay, we have something here. Let's start producing. And what I want to know what it actually takes, because I, I picture a lot of different fruit leathers and stuff that you can get in grocery stores and you look at the back and there's citric acid, exorbic acid for vitamin C. And there's all these different added ingredients for stabilizing uh, and preserving. What is the, from mango to my mouth, what is the process at a high level for someone who's thinking, okay, well, I can just dehydrate these mangoes at home. Well, no, what about the mangoes? Can you walk us through that process? Sure. At the top of this episode, I know that I mentioned as a good attendee for any holiday gathering, anytime you're being hosted over the next couple of months, don't be that person that shows up empty handed. What I did the other day is going to blow your mind because everyone is going to be bringing in dairy and sugar and alcohol and you want to try and keep it a little healthier. Be that person that shows up and people actually say, oh God, I appreciate that you brought this because I'm feeling like a lump of coal in a bag of turds right now and I needed a vegetable. I needed something healthy. I needed something to make me feel good. What I did the other day, and I just put this out on my newsletter. So if you don't follow the newsletter, you're missing out on all these amazing recipes. I found a dairy-free, gluten-free, fiber-filled chocolate chip cookie. It tasted so good. It was ooey, it was gooey, but it was crunchy on the sides. I loved it. My boyfriend loves it. I love crispy. He loves smooth. And I added extra dark, semi-sweet chocolate chips into it. I made my own batch of cookies, but at the end... Before we baked them all, I put in two scoops of Organifi's Chocolate Gold. The Chocolate Gold is an incredible addition to smoothies, to a hot cup of milk or a hot cup of water at the end of the night. You can add it into your oatmeal. You can sip on it throughout the day, add it into your protein smoothie, whatever it is. I added it into my cookie. It had adaptogens. It is great for relaxation. It is fantastic for helping to stabilize blood sugar. It has no sugar. So you're getting that amazing chocolatey gooeyness, but you know that you're doing something good for your body. These are like a healthified version-ish of chocolate chip cookies. So you have the anti-inflammatory components, you have the sweetness without the added sugar. You cannot go wrong, especially with adaptogens. As the holidays are coming around, I know people get stressed with money, with food, with so many different energies coming around, friends, family, all that travel, or some type of grief. Some, Some feelings are coming up. And having adaptogens whenever you can is a really fantastic way to level out your nervous system. So make sure you are doing everything you can to keep yourself regulated, keep yourself healthy over the holidays while still enjoying some of your favorite treats. That is the Organifi Chocolate Gold. Remember, you can get 20% off of this product as well as any other products by using the code HTH at checkout. You can go to Organifi.com backslash HTH. 
for 20% off. You can also click on the link in the show notes for Organifi.com backslash HTH for 20% off. You will not regret it. Thank me later. Or you can just give it as a gift, you know? You will love it. Something to that most people don't realize is that soft fruits, i.e. Um, mango, papaya, just to name two, have to be hot water treated before they're allowed into the United States. Oh. That means the fruit is immersed in a 180 degree water for 45 minutes. You cannot take a properly ripened mango or papaya and expose it to that high degree of water temperature for mm. that length of time. The only way you can treat a, a soft or thin-skinned tropical fruit is it has to be picked extremely green okay. with hardly any sugars. That precludes getting a, a really ripe mango or papaya in the store. Yeah. Sometimes they get semi-sweet. Sometimes they get half of the fruit gets sweet. Mm-hmm. But any fruit that's hot water treated is never going to be the same as a tree ripened or field ripened piece of fruit. Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't. Most I people don't. Yeah. But go, go to the store and and look at a a box that the mango comes in, and there'll be a stamp on the side of that box. It says USDA APHIS A P H I S, mm. and that's the indication that it's been hot water treated. And does that is that going to make it so that it loses some of its nutrients and it- never had any to begin with as a as a fruit ripens two things happen it develops sugars and nutrients if you pick it green it's lacking in both of those so the beauty of drying fruit at the source is you let it ripen you can let it get to the point where you want it just the way you want it so we're just freezing it it's not not freezing we're, it, but we're we're pausing it right where it is. We're taking a, a tree ripened fruit or field ripened fruit. We're peeling it probably within twenty four to thirty six hours mm. of when it was harvested. Mm. It's then peeled, sliced, and put on drying racks by people by actual. This is all hand. This process. is all hand processing. <clears throat> and not through, you know, it's Mechanical not getting sprayed. Process. Yeah, it's not getting sprayed down with things to make sure that it's st- fine. What? When you see the sh- the the sugar infused fruits mm-hmm. from typically they come from Asia, and 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 nothing against them. It's the only way they know how to process it. Mm-hmm. But those are mechanically processed. Yeah, they have machines that automatically peel and slice the fruit. Mm-hmm. Well, you, we don't know of a machine that can peel and slice a ripe mango. You'll you'll end up with mango mush. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is a very hands-on process. Hence it's not inexpensive. Sure. Compared to a f- dried fruit product that may be 60 or 70% sugar, one the sugar's cheaper and two there was less human involvement with the manufacture. If you want it good and right, it's not going to be fast. Or good and exactly. good and fast is not going to be cheap. And and, and I'm going to say one more other thing about it, and then we'll talk about the farm because the farm's my love. Hmm. The commercial fruit that has a lot of sugar in it is also dried at a much higher temperature. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe it's only in the dehydrator for four hours. Hence the use of sulfur dioxide. Sulfur dioxide does not preserve the fruit. It preserves the color of the fruit. <gasps> okay? And, and sulfur dioxide is not the worst of all chemicals. But that's why it's used because when you dehydrate at 180 degrees, the sugars start to caramelize. Mm-hmm. They start turning brown. It's like when you open up a banana and the, if the oxygen gets to it, then it right. turns brown. And that's why a lot of people say even for different types of diets, if you have uh, any dysbiosis in your gut, they say make sure that you're having, if you like bananas, have really green bananas. And that way you're <laughs> not getting the fructose and you're not getting the straight sugar compounds into your gut. But when the, when the fruits are ripe... I want to, okay, so when I'm walking into the grocery store right now and I'm in there, we're in there at Whole Foods getting mango, strawberries, blueberries, all these things, is it pointless? Is it what? To, is it pointless? What, no. what are some What are some of the best practices for us to buy fruit now? I mean, other not, not dried fruit, but what are the best practices for us to look for when buying fruit today in the fruit grocery store? Fruit that's in season. Okay. Don't try to buy fruits out of season. What are, what are fruits in season right now? It's November. <laughs> grapes. Okay. California's harvesting grapes. Grapefruit. Um, citrus will start coming in. Um, it's kind of limited, to So be we're honest. having grapes and lemons for breakfast. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I mean, apples, yeah, there's a good apple crop right now. Okay. Because for a variety of reasons, um, apples are pretty much available year-round. Yeah. Um, Got it. Berries, you know, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina produce soft fruit eight months out of the year now. Yeah. Um, but that scares me. I don't love I don't love that. I don't love that you can get anything anytime all the oh. time. It, I, I don't like that. I mean, yeah. I do, obviously. Who doesn't? But it does give me pause. Let's talk about the farm. Tell me... What is the farm like when you get off of the airplane? Where are you flying into? And then are you getting on an ATV? Are you riding horses into the farm? Do you bring one knapsack with tied in a bandana with a stick over your shoulder? What does it look like when you're walking into the farm? First of all, the farm is on a good day, six and a half hours from the airport. Blessings. In a country that is the size of West Virginia, um, it still takes a while to get around. Mm-hmm. And this is a whole lot better than it was in 1994 when we first took the family there. Mm-hmm. Um, it could take almost a day to cover the same distance. And with an 18-month-old, you're stopping getting the boob out in the middle of Costa Rica. What do I do? <laughs> it, was, it was pretty amazing. Um, we got to see things that I'm, I'm so glad we did it then because the country, like everything else, has changed dramatically. Spending I picture Costa Rica, and of course you picture rainforest, but it's adventure and it's lush, but it's also spas and a zip lot of... lines. Exactly. And, and I'm and picturing, it's not just the zip lines, it's what it takes to build those. And it's all the... I mean, I understand that it's jobs, which is good, but I don't know. I want to hear your experience of well, what it used to be like to walk in. Well, first of all, there was only one... In 1994, there was a um, a chairlift, basically, in in the forest between San Jose and Limon, and that was the only 
kind of quote-unquote tourist attraction of that type. Everything else was either on foot, in a boat, uh, on horseback. Mm-hmm. And horseback was limited. So it was it was much less developed. When we were there from no- middle of November to the middle of December, we would go into places and be the only people there, except for the people that worked there. No tourism. Well, let me also paint, uh, let people know, okay, it's not like you said, you know what, I, we want to build a fruit company and we have these morals in place and these are what we're not willing to negotiate, but it's not like you're hopping on Google and opening the yellow pages trying to find farms for mango. You can't just look that up. Did you, How did you meet Roberto and how did... Because I think that a lot of people nowadays, again, quick, fast, successful, then you're going to have to pay a lot of money. But and they're not maybe they're not willing to take the time. What was it? How did you meet Roberto? And how did you say, hey, this is something we want to do? And he says, OK, come out here. And you kind of had no idea what that really meant. What? Tell me that. Tell me about that. So basically, we we. um I'm going to go back to the fruit business because the fruit business was responsible for morphing into the coffee business. I, I was going to say, guys, this is going to be an epi- maybe a two-parter. So we're, we're still in the so fruit, but we're getting to the coffee. <laughs> my, my partner in Costa Rica in the fruit business was an expat, and he specialized in certifying small and medium producers, fruit producers, mm from conventional to organic. And we had only focused on traditional fruits. Um, I happened to be down there on a trip in 96, and we got a call from Ernie, (laughs) Ernie Carmen, and he had a small coffee farm uh, in Cartago, actually in Pariso, which is near Cartago, um, on the on the Atlantic side of San Jose, so we went over to Ernie's farm to check out his growing practices and see if we could get him certified. And he basically he was already growing organically. He just he it knew it, but paper. he needed somebody to to reinforce it. Yeah. That's so challenging because so many companies are doing it right, but it's expensive to get the proper labeling and certifications. Really Anyway, we met with Ernie, and, and he was so proud of what he was very self-sufficient. Um, he had his own coffee processing, a mini mill, and he said, I want to make you guys a cup of coffee. And I, Michael and I said, sure. So Ernie went about the process of making us a cup of his coffee. Which is not putting it into a coffee mate in a paper Oh no! This is, and then you're, he's this is just a, a very. Actually, it's like a pour over. Uh huh. Yeah. Which is pretty standard. Yeah, but it's still more of an experience. Yep. To watch and to absorb than a the, coffee mate. The experience was tasting the coffee. Mm. It was an eye opener to say the least. We'd been drinking Starbucks and Pete's because that was the best coffee available at that time. And then I got a sip of this, and I, t- I remember distinctly turning to Michael, and I said, Michael, we've got to figure out a way to 
inter- inter- integrate this with the fruit business. What was what was the difference? You you take a sip of Starbucks or Pete's and you feel X. You take a sip of this and you feel Y. Tell me what the description description is because I think that I know what I know what shitty coffee tastes like, but I don't really know what good coffee tastes like. Well, I, honestly, I'm Pete's, like Pete's ruining is it good with coffee. And it, and and back in the '90s, Starbucks was not bad coffee, um, but they were growing too fast, and so that limited their access to good coffee. So you you know what a good cup of coffee is? It doesn't make your tongue turn upside down, and and it goes down fairly smooth, and it's got some nice flavor notes. But to get it, 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 it's almost hard to compare the two because it's like hamburger and filet mignon. Oh. I mean, it's like... T- Everyone likes a hamburger, but you'd always rather have a filet mignon. If you're a, if you're a meat lover. I mean, it, I can't... Fair enough. Be, I, True. There are other, there are other <laughs> Not analogies. Not the target audience here. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, like, um, it's like a green mango and a ripe mango. Yeah. Once you've had a, a tree-ripened mango at the source it's a it's a different animal and and that was the case with the coffee it was just it opened up in your mouth it was bright it had acidity um no bitterness had hints of chocolate um some fruitiness and and it was like you knew immediately that and i was uneducated i just knew it was so to to a novice palate you even recognized i would think so i can let me just say this. I am I am a one cup a day girl. I can have one and I mean an actual measured cup, not not a couple big mugs. I can have one cup of coffee a day. I typically do decaf. I got natural energy. I'm good. I'm levitating if I have more than that. In Asheville a couple weeks ago when we were there, I had a cup of coffee. I had I think two and a half cups of shade raised. And who knows, maybe I'm garbage at making coffee in the morning. I'm just French pressing, no idea. But when I had it, I, you know, I, I went to the bathroom in the morning. That's like pretty natural. You do that. That's great anyways. <laughs> but I wasn't, there was not that intense stomach cramp. There wasn't jitters. There weren't, that is the craziest thing about good coffee. I actually do not get jitter jitters with this coffee. And it and had that, just as much caffeine as any other coffee. And more than I normally have because normally I do half decaf, half regular. I, I was mind blown. I was like, eek, shouldn't. But then I just did because we were, it just was nice. We are sitting on the porch. I had two cups. I was so nervous that I was going to be jitterbug. And I wasn't. I didn't even think Isn't about that a it. nice feeling? Uh, well done. Sorry, yeah. continue. Tangent. That but. has to do with scent. a lot of scent. Well, well-grown, well-processed Central American coffees. People notice what you just described. Yeah. Um, it's it's. Um, we, let's digress for a second and yes. talk about flavor notes in coffee. Bitterness and acidity sometimes get confused. Okay, I agree. Okay, a bitter cup of coffee is a bad cup of coffee. Good coffees have some acidity. Acidity is what makes a, a glass of wine pop in your mouth. The same with a cup of coffee. Good acidity heightens the taste experience. Okay, bitterness, what bitterness does is it irritates your gut yeah. and makes you more susceptible to the caffeine. Mm. 
So when you drink a bitter cup, what do you do with a bitter cup of coffee? You throw it away. No, you uh, do it Starbucks. Oh, don't, don't get us in trouble. You do what I have a, learned is you, that if you plug the opponent's name, they're still getting a plug. Oh, and that's okay. Which is, Howard I mean, they're Schultz, not going out of business. They're good. Howard Schultz is an amazing man. But what he designed was a coffee that required you to order more than coffee. It's a double latte with a shot of whatever. It's... If you look at how many people go Good into Starbucks point. and order a black coffee, it's probably less than 5%. But I bet it didn't it, that wasn't 10 years ago. Exactly. Oh my gosh, they're not even selling coffee anymore. They're selling milk. They make more money on milk than they do on coffee. Coffee prices, I don't know when this will air, but coffee prices have actually come down a little bit. Huh? But that's for generic Brazilian yeah. for the most part. Anyway, so that was just to talk about the the, the fact that you didn't get the jitters mm-hmm. when when you tried that Costa Rican for the first time. Mm. Let's talk about Roberto because Roberto still hasn't entered into the picture because we're talking this about Ernie, Ernie Carmen, Finca Cristina was the name of his farm named after his daughter. Aww. Anyway, Ernie was a really likable guy, and he said, "Sure, Rick, I'll sell you some coffee." So I said, "Well." Let me buy um, basically 20 bags, which is roughly 3,000 pounds, and we'll incorporate it on our next shipment of fruit coming into the U.S. I've got a, a roaster in my neighborhood. I'll contract with him to roast the coffee. We'll get a package designed, and off we go. And it worked just like that because nobody in our neighborhood, and this is Chicago, had had ever tasted anything like this. Mm. So when I brought in these green samples to the roaster, they they lit up because they said, well, we want some of this. And I said, of course. But of course. But of course, you can have some. Just do it the way I want it done. Yeah. And we'll package it and off we go. Things were going great. We were integrating the coffee with, with the fruit. Everybody was smiling. I call up Ernie. I don't know three months later and say, Ernie, we need some more coffee. And he goes, oh, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have sold you that coffee. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so I found out later that Ernie was very self-sufficient. He not only grew and had his own coffee processing, he also had a still. Which please define for the audience and myself. He was making mash, whiskey. Oh, <laughs> I was still, you lost me and still. Ernie, okay. And Ernie was his best customer. <laughs> so he, feeling good the day we, Michael and I were there, he sold me something that his U.S. agent said, you shouldn't have done that. Ah. You're, you're selling against our agreement. Good so, thing it was only 3,000 pounds. Which but I was crestfallen, said. as yeah. my daughter would say. That's a great word. And... Um, I said, Ernie, we just set up a business. We got a label with your daughter's name on it, on and on and on. And I said, what am I going to do? He says, I'm going to give you a name. Oh, nice to meet you, Roberto. the rest of the story. He gave me Roberto's name because Roberto had a reputation in Costa Rica as one of the best and oldest organic farms. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. I know you all loved it. And thank you, Rick and Shade Raised Organic for coming on and giving us all of the best details and the best giveaway. Remember, three lucky winners will be selected and all before Christmas time. We're going to do this in the middle of December, so you have plenty of time. Take a screenshot of listening to this episode. Tag Shade Raised, S-R-O, and Hotter Than Health on Instagram. Let us know that you're listening. And of course, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or following on Spotify. It is the greatest way to show your support for the podcast. That's all I really want for Christmas. But if you are entered in to win, if you are one of the three lucky winners, you will win three bags of coffee. Three big old, fat, organic, amazing, delicious bags of coffee and a bag of fruit. And this is something you can bring to someone's house that is hosting you. This is something you can enjoy throughout the seasons. You can make a cup for someone else. Be kind. Rewind. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, like, subscribe, share this episode, and we will talk to you next week.